You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand, WERA.FM. By opening ourselves to listening and to new ideas, we actually come up with something more dynamic, better solution to the public policy issue that we were thinking about. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Have you ever heard the line, you can always tell a Harvard man, but you can't tell him much? I went looking for the origins of this expression, which, to be honest, I didn't recall being about Harvard, but rather some nationality, and I found that, indeed, it gets applied to all sorts of people, Texans, Norwegians, fishermen. And of course, Amazon sells dozens of different iterations, slamming all sorts of folks on every imaginable size of mug. But I digress. I went looking because the expression has been playing in my head ever since I first connected with Bob Mitchell. Bob founded the Michigan Political Leadership Program, which has been going strong for 26 years, hosted at Michigan State University. He's also founder and president of the Bipartisan Leadership Project, which is finding a new home at George Mason University. The project's mission is to equip thousands of current and particularly future office holders with the skill of listening, the tools necessary for bipartisan cooperation, and the fundamentals of campaigning and governing. It describes itself as a group of citizens with extensive political and governmental experience from both sides of the political fence who have seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. We know we can do better, and we must do better to have our democracy survive and thrive, they say. They harbor no illusions that these budding politicians will necessarily persuade one another, only that they will have a better chance to understand one another and perhaps find ways to move forward together. It is a surprisingly radical idea in this day and age and sorely needed, and I would say a curiosity enterprise if ever there were one. In his best-selling book, The 48 Laws of Power, Robert Greene tells a story. In a speech Abraham Lincoln delivered at the height of the Civil War, he referred to the Southerners as fellow human beings who were in error. An elderly lady chastised him for not calling them irreconcilable enemies who must be destroyed. Why, madam, Lincoln replied, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? I don't know the context, but Lincoln also said, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better. These are the sentiments and statements of a man willing to engage with people very different from himself people he does not like, people with whom he is at actual war, a man willing to listen, now famous for his cabinet, a team of rivals, perhaps a curious man. But back to the Harvard men. You can always tell an ex-person, but you can't tell them much. Lumps all sorts of assumptions together. You believe you know everything there is to know about someone based on one small fact. You also believe that person will be unwilling to hear new information and certainly not from you. What a trap, and what a desperately incurious defensive posture. What if, what if we didn't make assumptions about the other? What if we came toward them, willing to hear them out, 
looking for opportunity instead of opposition. What if we could teach people to do that? And not just any people. What if we could teach the very people we elect to represent our own cherished beliefs and interests? An educator and a business innovator who initiated the nation's first independent electric transmission company, Bob Mitchell has had an extensive partisan career in campaigns and government service. He was in Michigan's Governor James Blanchard's cabinet, chief of staff of U.S. Senator Mike Gravel, and headed an agricultural agency in Michigan for President Carter, all Dems. Yet Bob believes in the power of inclusion and collaboration and in seeking consensus to find best solutions, be it in his renewable energy business or equipping the next generation of leaders to exercise great partisanship at all levels of government. So welcome, Bob. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for that very generous uh, introduction. I would prefer to just sit here and listen to you. I think that was (laughs) an incredible uh, introduction to the subject of bipartisanship. A word that I have found is is grossly misunderstood. Yeah. People have all kinds of perceptions about bipartisanship. And I think when there were two very strong uh, and somewhat equal parties, Mm. uh, it it probably had a a different uh, meaning. Today, we live in such a small world. I I heard uh, Deepak Chopra over the weekend (laughs) talking about this general subject, and uh, he made an observation that the world has become much smaller, Mm -hmm. and we are face-to-face with people that we've never known or been exposed to before. Right. And that's unnerving for a a lot of people. And what it causes is people to retreat back into their, uh, the the, the N-word now is their tribe, Uh, but it's with what they are familiar with. Part of the motivation for my starting the bipartisan program in Michigan was that after 22 years in government at the federal level, state level, executive and legislative, I was so disappointed with the quality uh, Mm -hmm. and the understanding of leadership and the bipartisan spirit, uh, and and that's in the uh, late 1900s. <laughs> now in uh, 2020, uh, it's uh, just become exacerbated. So, so you had this long and illustrious career career in public service. Was there a moment when you realized that? things needed to be approached differently? Well, I saw so many examples mm-hmm. this of, a cumulative of effect. public yeah. policy, the chance of public policy being constructed in a healthy way. Yeah. And uh, purely politics got into the way of it. And sometimes that was expressed through the ambitions uh, of, of an individual to either make themselves look good or to make their opponents look Bad. poor. Yeah. You know, the, the qualities that you talked about with uh, Lincoln are, for most people, not intuitive. Right. It, it turns out that probably for him, um, it was because of his incredible youth 
Doris Kearns uh, Goodman, uh, in her book about leadership, talks about the the really tragic youth of uh, Lincoln, mm-hmm. including after his mother died, uh, that his father uh, left yeah. his sister and he in a cabin with no floor and no door right. uh, in kind of a wilderness situation. Uh, and he left to, uh, to, to find a wife. And, and when she came back, he did find a wife, and, he, and they came back. She couldn't believe her eyes to see the conditions that uh, these the two young yeah. kids had yeah. been living in. So tell us a little bit about the people of the Bipartisan Leadership Project. It's a diverse leadership team, for starters. And then, of course, you particularly try to attract a participant pool that's yeah. quite diverse as well. Tell us well, a little bit well, about that. We, when we started the program, it was clear to me, and this was started in 1992. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it was a long time ago, doesn't it? <laughs> to some, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, it does. But uh, there was almost a total lack of women. Mm. Uh, in the political process. And so when we designed the program, we wanted it to be 50-50 men and women, mm-hmm. 50-50 Republican, Democrat, and we made some exceptions for independents mm-hmm. uh, to be a part of that as well. And then we, we wanted the urban and rural parts of Michigan to Which be is a big appropriately divide in many states, yeah. Well, and it's becoming more and so, more yeah. divided. It hasn't reached the level of uh, complexity in race relations, but mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 terribly complex. Mm-hmm. So we we wanted that experience, and then we tried to uh, get kind of a bell curve of age, mm-hmm. very young, mm-hmm. 22, 23. Uh, to uh, people in their 50s and 60s who were still interested in running for office, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. So, uh, yes, it was a bit of a salad bowl is the uh-huh. way I like to uh-huh. uh, describe a it. A nice mix. So is evidence of curiosity something you look for in your applicants? She asks out of self-interest. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have to tell you that prior to your inviting me to come on the show, I don't think that I viewed myself as a curious person, uh-huh. but uh, in the uh, weeks uh, following this invitation and to today, I, I realized that I'm a, an incredibly curious person, uh-huh. and uh, so thank you for uh, uh-huh. introducing the, the, so what the word you, of the what, term. What are you seeing anew? As curious that you wouldn't have thought of as curious before, because of course this is exactly the kind of story that I like to hear. Yeah, right? That's yeah. I want people to realize. Oh, I actually have this capacity. I have well, this skill. Well, related to our topic today, yeah. I was curious and would not have used that term back uh, while I was serving in various positions of government. A, a lot of whys. Yeah. Why, why does somebody choose to, to run for office? I would hold hearings at various locations, and after hearing testimony from various local people, I would sometimes ask a person that I was particularly impressed with, you ought to think about running for office. Uh-huh. You would be uh-huh. fantastic. Invariably, the answer that came back was, oh, I couldn't do that. I don't know anything, anything. Yeah. about running for office. And so I realized out of that curiosity, why why is this? And the more I thought about it, it's, 
you know, it's not so uh, uh, much a secret. If you have a person who can't swim and you're on a dock that's in 20 feet of water and you say, come on, go jump in the the lake, they're not going to do it because they they don't know how. And so the idea was to pull together a training, a seminar, workshop, whatever you want to call it, uh, that would integrate a number of aspects which would give people comfort to not only know how to run for office, mm-hmm. but to know how to serve effectively once, once they get there. Yeah, yeah. And so now I am so excited that we have a, a new dean at the School of Conflict Analysis and Resolution at George Mason University, Dean Azardem. It's come from 20 years in London, is uh, Turkish by birth, and has just been in this country uh, a, a two, three months. Mm-hmm. And we met through one of his graduates and described to him the, the bipartisan program that I have been working for the last year or so to try to get other universities to pick up like mm-hmm. Michigan State did. And he... Just his eyes lit up, and 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 he said that he's come to this country and came to George Mason in particular because of its geographical location to the uh, Proximity, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that uh, his goal in coming here was to try to take advantage of his years and experience and discipline in the area of conflict resolution Uh and apply it to the political arena, mm. and it's such a rich area. Such, there's so much potential, isn't and there? I believe that we're going to create a, pro, a new program that is going to be even more dynamic than what uh, we uh, are proud of having created uh, 26, 27 Indeed. years ago. So what do you and they say to people who say, now is no time for compromise? It's interesting you would use the word compromise yeah. because I believe that is a traditional uh, word that is associated with bipartisanship. Right. And I've come to realize that bipartisanship is more than mm. and maybe different than compromise. Mm. Uh, nice. it's, it's more a spirit of collaboration, seeking consensus, listening, paying respect to people mm-hmm. that are taking a position different than you. And through that process, come up with a, a new solution, different maybe than what I brought to the table or what you bring to the table, by opening ourselves to, to listening and to new ideas. We actually come up with something more dynamic, yeah. better solution to the public policy issue that we were thinking about. Uh, so it's in part based on a sort of genuine consensus where everyone's got a everyone feels heard, says what they need to say and works towards something right. that works for the group, not right. necessarily where they started. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it has to do with the characteristics of leadership. Yeah. We have come to identify strong leaders as fighters, mm. and it's the, it's the wrong environment to create this kind of uh, 
new solutions. Uh, if I'm a fighter, well, that means I'm just pushing for my ideas. Yeah. So what we do in this program and what I'm excited about doing uh, in Virginia is to give people the skills that will enable them to be a creative leader as opposed to a fighting leader. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and that goes all the way back into how you run a campaign. Mm-hmm. In a primary, you have people who want you to be a fighter. They have issues that they are passionate about. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with passion. But candidates have to be careful to not just throw red meat right. to their partisan supporters and get so far out on the limb that when they are in a arena where there are mixed views and and uh, people from the various parties, that that they've taken positions where they they just can't you know move yeah. uh, any anywhere. They gotta stay with the fight. Those are some of the skills and techniques that you're trying to Ex- impart. Exactly. And maybe some of the disciplines, right? That people aren't. It's easy to go to the red meat. It is. So part of it is also asking people to resist the temptation. Is that it, And to realize the value of collaboration, mm-hmm. to realize mm-hmm. the values of respect. Yeah. And I believe that if more of our elected officials demonstrated these skills and these attributes, that it would reflect more on the population because our society has become dysfunctional in in many regards in terms of communication with people who are in opposition. Yeah. Um, it happens uh, with neighbors, with family. Uh, I have a, a brother that um, I, I, we, we just find it difficult. And, and I'm, you know, I try to model openness and bipartisanship. And, but you it, have a, your own experience. It's, it's hard. It's, 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 tough. it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So, so very quickly, what are the plans at Mason and where can people get more information? Well, we're very new. I know. Uh, Welcome to we, the we have, we have not even made a public announcement that uh, we're, we're working on creating a program uh, but that is the best way to say it. Uh, I can tell you ab- about how we did it, you know, and are doing it in, yeah. in Michigan. But I'm hoping that uh, the creativity and the resourcefulness of the the people at George Mason and the citizens that we will get involved mm-hmm. uh, helping to craft a program that. You know, it may have similarities and it may be quite different. But the general concept is to bring this mix of people uh, together for maybe as many as 10 weekends Uh on a Friday night and an all-day Saturday and to go through uh, four general areas uh, that uh, we'd we'd want, you know, them to get exposed to. One of them is this, the whole area of, of leadership, uh-huh. what, what kind of skills are necessary to to be collaborative, uh, how to resolve conflict, mm. how to look at public policy issues from a open position, a, a, a bipartisan perspective, mm-hmm. 
and dialogue about that, and in the process, develop the communication skills, because you can have the knowledge, but if you can't (laughs) translate it and talk effectively (laughs) with people, either on a one-to-one or one-to-a-small group or a large group or on TV and radio, and we give them training in all of those arenas, and uh, and then the last area, but it's integrated throughout the program, is uh, the campaigning. Uh-huh. Uh, how do you actually put together a campaign and try to give them some tools to analyze? Are they really? Do they really have fire in the belly to 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 make all of the sacrifices that have to be made yeah. uh, to become a candidate? It's even no, even in no lo- small undertaking. Even at the local o- yeah. uh, office. Yeah, and if people want to learn more, where can they find you? Well, we have a, a website, bipartisan leadershipproject.org, I would guess that it will take us two months, two to three months before we actually make a formal announcement, and and then people will be able to contact uh, the SCAR. Oh, great. Uh, they, they go by SCAR, but it's uh, the School of uh, Conflict Analysis and Resolution at George Mason on the Arlington uh, campus. So the program will take shape over the next uh, three months or so. But one of the things that we hope to incorporate is that these weekend programs will be held in various locations around Virginia because we find that a lot of people in urban areas never get to Mm -hmm. smaller communities. And when they're in that smaller community, we'll, we'll have the leadership in that community talk about their problems and issues and vice versa and so anyway great yeah great oh very exciting very exciting well before i let you go are you game for my big jar of wannabe analogies oh sure okay that's the spirit uh now this is going to be a challenge bamboo bamboo all right well you want me to go first you can yes that that. would be terrific (laughs) so i have roasting marshmallows how is curiosity like roasting marshmallows i'm gonna say that roasting marshmallows is, um, there's some skill. People have opinions about how they like their marshmallows roasted. People have ways they like to be curious or they come at it. But that, um, like roasting marshmallows, curiosity is best when you really just stick it right into the heat of the matter. <laughs> That's good. And, That's good. You're, um, you're good. And, uh, you know, savor it. I guess that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've got. So how is it like bamboo? Yeah. Well, I, w- I want to just make a comment about what you've said about uh, roasting marshmallows. Uh, there's a, another Harvard uh, professor, uh, Rosabeth uh, Moss Cantor, who's just written a book about thinking outside the building. She's expanded it from the uh-huh. box. Outside the box. Uh, <laughs> and one of her key points is that we need to spend more time wandering. Mm, and when, no kidding. And the first thing that came to my mind when you talked about uh, roasting marshmallows is that it is an unusual diversion that slows us down. Yeah, and we nice. just focus on that marshmallow and the fire. And uh, we live in such a fast world that we don't take time right. to right. wander and to let our minds be yeah. curious. Yeah. Yep. And, crea- oh, and, and create. I not agree more. So bamboo. Well, I the first thing that came to my mind is that I, I've I've had bamboo growing uh-huh. uh, in uh, places where I have lived, and it's amazing how fast 
<laughs> yes. It grows. Yes. And, and also has a, a number of, uh, of different uh, assets. So uh, I, I think the, the whole putting this back to bipartisanism, we want to take people and have them grow very fast to nice. be uh, uh, curious and uh, bipartisan uh, in their political views. I love it. I love it. See, the whole point of this exercise is to get people to make connections, right? Which is what you're doing with the Bipartisan Leadership Institute. So for our audience, oh, this will be interesting. How is curiosity like the Power Rangers? Let me know. Hashtag analogy, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. How is curiosity like the Power Rangers? Well, Bob, thank you so much for this. Welcome to the neighborhood. Thank you. I really look forward to watching this grow like bamboo. Well, it'll take uh, it'll take a good year. Yeah, we have to raise a lot of money. Yeah, uh, money, money, money. So it's it's a process, it's and a process. Uh, we have to take one step at a time. But I would I would hope that in uh, 2021, program in Virginia will be launched. Uh, We are anticipating, if I have two seconds, to say that uh, uh, we decided just last week that the folks at George Mason are going to create a a three- or four-day seminar or workshop exclusively on the subject of conflict resolution. Uh, I've done some of their workshops. And uh, this will will be kind of a forerunner. Uh, We'll get our feet wet uh, uh, dealing with people. It will be open to people not only who are thinking about running for office or Mm -hmm. uh, maybe ideally people who are on school boards or local commissions and city councils and county uh, commissioners. I have talked with uh, some legislators, particularly uh, the senator from this area, Barbara Favola, mm-hmm. who I'm very impressed with, and she has expressed a lot of interest in in this uh, uh, program. Okay. And I think with what's going on in Virginia and and, uh, and the legislature moving from uh, a solid history of Republicans to now a majority of Democrats. Uh, there's some some rich uh, opportunities mm-hmm. to uh, work with the legislature to get people to be uh, more open to the to, to the issues of how do we work effectively together. Yeah, yeah, terrific, terrific. Good luck and thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can hear all my previous shows on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, Facebook, all at Choose to Be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your Power Rangers analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Bob Mitchell. More about the Bipartisan Leadership Project on my website. Thanks to to canvasser extraordinaire Rebecca Borton for introducing me to Bob and his work. If you know someone you think would be good for me to talk to, please be in touch. You can reach me at choosetobecurious at gmail.com or on my website through the aforementioned social media. Our theme music is thanks to Sean Ballack, and this is Front Runner by Union Hall via Blue Dot Sessions. So, how might you channel the spirit of the Bipartisan Leadership Project and reach across the aisle, literal or figurative, to find an unlikely partner with whom to move forward? I hope you'll join us again next time, and until then, choose to be curious.
Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.